Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm your host, Taina Asili. Today's guest is Charlotte Hill O'Neill. Mama C, as she's often referred to, is an accomplished vocalist, musician, writer, poet, and visual artist who has been performing professionally for more than 20 years and exhibiting her artwork extensively for over 30 years. Mama C, originally from Kansas City, Kansas, joined the Black Panther Party at the age of 18 and soon after married founder and chairman Pete O'Neill. Charlotte and Pete made the painful decision to leave the U.S. in 1970 after Pete fell victim to the government backlash against the Black Panther Party. They relocated to Algeria, the site of the international section of the Black Panther Party, and later relocated to Tanzania. It was there that they founded the United African Alliance Community Center. Located in the village of Imbaseni, near the northern city of Arusha, the UAACC is a center focusing on healing the community by providing a diverse array of art and media projects as a part of its powerful community work. This includes hip-hop, music production, photography, videography, poetry, theater, and the development of an independent radio station. Mama C tours the U.S. regularly to offer performances, workshops, and presentations, and will be back again this spring. I had the honor of meeting and getting to know Mama C when she visited my community in Philadelphia many years ago. She has since visited and offered performances and workshops twice for my community in upstate New York. When Mama C visits, she is like a ray of sunshine reflecting a glow that can only come from the motherland. She exudes joy in her smile and offers the most refined wisdom with each word. Greetings, Mama Charlotte O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Rhythm of Rebellion. Greetings, my sister. And I just love the title of your podcast, <laughs> Rhythm of Rebellion. I really like that. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted to say that it's such an honor and a blessing to have you in this conversation. Um, you know, you and I go back many years and I've always been... Uh, and continue to be inspired by your work, by your work that you're doing in Tanzania, by the work that you are doing with your art, and by what you bring um, to the U.S. with you. Well, I feel the same, my sister, about you and your work. Yeah, thanks. Yes. So I, in the introduction to this show, I talk a little bit about um, how you landed where you're at and your history with the Black Panthers. Um, uh, for you and um, Brother Pete. And I wanted to know um, a little bit, I was curious about whether or not music and art and poetry played a role in your life during that time period um, of your life in the movement. Oh, yes, very, very much so. You know, uh, 
it you know during the times when we would be out in the snow and and shouting our free Huey songs you know and that would keep us fired up and all of that was like a cementing factor to us you could go to any city and you could hear songs of rebellion like that and of course when we would listen to Gil Scott Heron and and the uh, last poets and 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 even Joan Baez all all of these uh, artists who uh, whose intent was not only to rebel but also to build to build within that rebellion to build community you know and and this community that we were building wove through all of of the uh, people that we were working with whether it was the organizations whether it was the the, the people who were staunchly uh, uh, nationalists black nationalists or if they were uh, against the Vietnam War you know was so much going on in that era and I just feel so blessed to have experienced so much of that and to 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 be inspired by those protest songs by those songs of rebellions by those rhythms of rebellion and and of course we would have the drumming you know and 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 African drumming has always been a source of rebellion and and the oppressors sure enough knew that and that's why they outlawed it you know and mm. I hear that there are places even now in California like in Merritt Park where people are trying to out outlaw the 40-year history of drumming in that part. Drumming is such a powerful uh, uh, way to not only build, but also to rebel. And this is one of the things that I love here in Africa, in our village. Drumming going on all the time, sister, mm. with with um, uh, words of upliftment, with words of healing, with 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 indeed words of rebellion. Also, I just love it, and I've taken up drumming myself, actually. Really? <laughs> yes, I have. What kind I of drum sure. do you play? I have a djembe drum. Okay. okay. Yes, also bongos. And then the traditional drums here. You know, I also play um, uh, an instrument called Nyatiti and uh, Kamali and Goni, which is something like a Kora and Obokano. So it's really funny when I play those those uh, instruments, the strings speak to me. The strings speak to me in my ancestors' voices. And it seems like uh, uh, the, the lyrics that always come out is, has something to do with freedom, mm. you know? Mm. It's, it's like something just takes over. So I think that, that these songs of rebellion, these rhythms of rebellion, are something that is just in our DNA. Yes. It's just something we, we couldn't get away from. If we wanted to. No. about those instruments and that music that 
brings my ancestors' voices to me. When did you begin making poetry and and uh, music and other forms of art? Well, you know, it's, as your parents were musicians, so were mine. But uh, mine were musicians in the church. My, mo- my mother was a pianist and an organist, and my dad was a vocalist. Huh? So music was always in, in our home also. And, and we were encouraged to explore our creativity. As a matter of fact, when I was in Kansas City last, which is where I was born in and raised and lived until I was 19, which is when me and Brother Pete left the States, my dad showed me a collection of some of the pictures that I had drawn when I was in the kindergarten. He has kept those. So I was always the one in, in the class who, we used to have something called science fair. I don't know mm. if y'all still have yes, that. Yes, yes, we do. I, Yes, I was the one to to do the the printing and to do the uh, paper mache and to to really uh, uh, chair the exhibits from the time I was in a primary school. You know, I was always in the the uh, the choir and the orchestra. I used to play cello. I was first chef two okay. years. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I played violin. <laughs> oh, uh, right on. Me yes. too. Okay. <laughs> I think we all started out with violin. Yes, yes. It was like a requirement. Now, you know, the, the way music was emphasized when I was coming up, and I guess when you were coming up too, you know, it's it's so sad to see that de-emphasized now because of so many uh, programs that are losing their funding, Mm. you know. But uh, so even in the party and in those years, you know, I I think I've concentrated more on the party work. It was so much to do, you know. But once I was here in Tanzania, I started exploring that again. I actually did my first art exhibition uh, in 1986, 86 or 87 in Kenya. Mm. And along with that art exhibition, uh, I, of course, had poetry and, and song. And I just, since, since our, when our children were growing up, after they, you know, became teenagers and I was more free to do my own thing, I started performing more and more. And to this day, that's what I do. I've performed in so many cu- countries in Africa. And I even went to Venezuela last year, you know, in so many wow. cities all over the states. And I come out of the tradition, out of the 60s, uh, where it wasn't about art for art's sake, huh? We felt like art, whether it's music or poetry or or visual or dance, should be used as a teaching tool. And I still feel like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, it should be some kind of teaching tool, whether it's um, uh, promoting rebellion or promoting healing. And those go hand in hand, yes, actually. Yes, I in, always in say that, too. Yes, that's Justice right. Justice and healing, that always is what That's I right. Mm-hmm. And you know what, sister? I work real closely with the hip-hop community here in uh, Tanzania, and Arusha in particular. And these youth remind me so much of how we were as Panthers in that they use their art 
as a means of community upliftment. You know, they are, they have bought the real hip-hop back, you know. So there's that rebellion in, in the hip-hop here, but there's also that community upliftment and the love and the example. For instance, uh, Saturday, we're going to one of the, the main markets here to clean up the market. You know, the markets are, a lot of times they're in disarray, trash, everywhere going to clean up the market and then have a jam session mm. with our with our drums and with our uh, marimba and all that you know mm-hmm. so t- to me upliftment is rebellion especially in these times you know with the Trump administration and and, and all that that is coming about you know we got to keep ourselves uplifted we have to keep ourselves surrounded by love you know and to me that is also resistance mm. you know i always yes. say this i say i say we can't let them take our joy away maintaining our joy, realizing our blessings, looking at each other as members of the family, that is resistance also. That is rebellion also. We got to remember that. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I love um, about when you come here to the States is that you really carry with you that centered aspect of love at the core and you shine that out to, you know, all that are able to witness it. And that to me is just so profound. I wanted to know if you attribute that to your community in Arusha and, and your experiences there, if, if that, if there's a, a different kind of energy that comes from there that you are able to bring with you here. I think that that is an aspect of it. And, and the fact that I have embraced um, uh, my, hmm, my gift as a healer, mm. you know, and, and I kind of resisted that for a long time for some reason. It was kind of frightening. Huh? But I have embraced that and I realize that this is that's part of my destiny. But yes, where we come from, where we live here at the foot at the foothills of Mount Meru has actually been been uh, targeted as a peace point in the world, you know, there were these spiritualists and scientists who went all around the world and they identified what they call these peace points, huh? Mm. And here in Arusha, here, here where we are in Embassani Village at the foot of this mountain was actually identified as one of those peace points or peace gates. I'm telling you, sister. When people first come here, when they walk through these gates, it's like something hits them. Mm-hmm. You you know about this uh, feng, sh- feng shui yes. and all, and that that concept. Well, and, and building on a dragon's back and all that. We must have built on a very good dragon's back, and mm-hmm. we must have some some show enough feng shui right here because everybody feels it. It gives people a sense of peace, a sense of freedom, and a great, great sense of love, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that us being here, Brother Pete, uh, uh, having come here, you know, in exile, I think that that exile 
turned into a blessing because we're able to offer a refuge for people all over the world. You mm-hmm. know, a place where they can heal, mm-hmm. a place where they can be washed with peace, mm-hmm. you know. So it's such a blessing. And to me, Again, I had to keep saying it. The fact that we've been able to continue our community service, which was the legacy of the Black Panther Party and which continues for for more than 30 years with the United African Alliance Community Center, sister, that is the greatest revenge. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you do with the UACC? UAACC? Yes, and that stands again for United African Alliance Community Center. We have daily classes here for youth in our community. Sometimes elders join them, too, in uh, many, many subjects, and all the classes are t- excuse me, are taught by volunteers, and many of them were students here themselves. But, you know, there's a spirit of volunteerism, the same kind of spirit that we had back in the day, that there's a thread of that that runs through the community now. So it's almost like, you know, brothers and sisters are are competing on how much they can volunteer. And -hmm. Brother Pete, he... uh, founded the Leaders of Tomorrow Children's Home nine years ago, and we've been raising uh, 23, 21, 23 children all that time. And I'm telling you, he inspires me so much because that is his brainchild. Those those are both our grandchildren, but he and and Sister Mwajaba, who's our uh, director of and, and and main matron of the children's home, they are the ones who really, what we call in Kiswahili, endasha that. That means, or the driving force behind that. Mm. I myself work with the, with the older youth, especially the hip-hop community and the artist community. But these children, sister, these children that, that, that we've been raising for all this time with Brother Pete at the helm, those children are so smart. They are so confident. They are so creative. Mm. It's a wonder to behold. And when people come here and witness the wonder of those children, it just blows their mind. Many of them have maintained the number one position in their class. One of the the oldest girl, Irene, who just graduated, she was uh, number one in her school. And then she was number eight out of the whole uh, school districts in in Arusha, you know, mm. and several of them, yeah, and, and many of them are now in secondary school, you know, so they go to school, then they come back here. As a matter of fact, uh, they have, a, uh, they're tutored every day also. And they were in uh, Brother Pete's side of the house uh, doing their lessons. That's why I'm over here now in my room. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and they are so creative and they are so empowered because of that. They several of them just performed just performed in Kenya 
And wow. they've never been to Kenya before. They are stars. Wow. One of them is, is already a hip-hop star, writes her own verses. I'm just bragging on these children because yes. they need bragging yes, on. Yes, they do. You know. Yes, they do. So, you know, when we have visitors who come here and we host people from all over the world, including study abroad groups, whatever their passion is, whatever their creative streak is, we, we incorporate that into our daily classes for the older you. For instance, if you ever come here, sister, I am going to ask you to do some vocal classes and <laughs> some. You do flamenco also, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I was following you when you were in Spain. <laughs> so so I would love for you to do something like that or, or Gaetano some, some guitar classes. So that's how we, we have our core classes. But then we weave in all these other uh, 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 different vocations. For instance, there's a... A brother who's a master carpenter who's coming in June. He's going to do a two-month carpentry class. Mm. We have a brother who's a architect engineer. He's been volunteering here for like five years. He teaches that. We're going to start building cob houses. We have fine art. We have music. We have music production in our Peace Power Production Studio. We have English, computer classes. You name it, we do it. Wow. Wow. So unbelievably inspiring. I, I cannot wait till that time comes when I can go there and offer some singing classes and sing flamenco and whatever else I have to offer because I'm yes. just fully inspired. And I've, I've witnessed a bit your connection with children. Um, two times you came uh, to my community once you visited uh, with my son's school. And did a workshop yes. and then another yeah. time at uh, the Sanctuary for Independent Media where you right. did a youth workshop as well. And I mm -hmm. am still impressed by the way that you were so quickly able to connect with these young people. It's clear that it's something that you do regularly and, yes. and find a lot of joy in. It's true. I just I just love working with young people and doing what I can to inspire them. That that is my complete passion. You know, it is. And it's interesting to note that when we had that workshop at uh, uh, the sanctuary there, that those uh, beats were made in our studio. Mm. And I think in our Peace Power Production Studio, you know, and I just love that. I love the sharing. I love the the collaborations. When when I went to Venezuela uh, for the it was an eco socialist conference in October. Uh, of course, I met up with the, the hip hop community there and we immediately started jamming. And out of that came an album because um uh, when I came back, they wanted to do a collaboration with the hip hop artists here. So that's done wow. and it's online and it's just so beautiful to see it, see, see so much come out of the art, so much uh, rhythms of rebellion and, 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 and communication and nation building. I just love, it's such a blessing being an artist, isn't it, sister? It really is one of the most profound blessings of my life to be an artist. Yes, yes. I, I give thanks for that every day. Yes. So 
we talked a bit about your art as a musician, but I know that you do other types of art, um, poetry and visual art, and maybe some others that I don't even know. Um, I wanted yes. to see if you could talk a little bit about some of the other art forms that you um, are involved in. Yes, I'm an art quilter also. Um, I've had my work in several exhibitions and in several books. Uh, I'm a member of the Women of Color Quilting Network, uh, and that was founded by Dr. Carolyn Maslumi, who used to be a NASA in- engineer like those. I just saw that movie recently. What's it called? Yes. Hidden. Hidden Figures. Oh, I loved it. I love it. Yes. And so that reminded me of her. And she, um, uh, for lack of a better word, gave up that part of her life to devote herself full time to her art. So um, several years ago, she asked me to be a part of one of her exhibitions. And since then, I've been in like five of them. So I'm a painter. Uh-huh. I'm a sculptor. Uh, I love paper mache. I used to even make furniture with uh, with paper mache. But wow. art quilting, I love. My last piece uh, was in her exhibition titled uh, And Still We Rise, and my piece was on Emmett Till. And I tell you, when I worked on that piece and I moved my uh, studio into my bedroom here and I had that piece hanging, every time I would look at that, it would just make me cry. You know, it just would because it it was such a powerful piece. And it's something just like when I when the lyrics to my my music comes or my poetry or whatever, it's like I'm just holding on and something else is actually writing it or something else is actually mm-hmm. painting it or creating it, you know, and I'm like almost like an innocent bystander. But uh, again, even in my artwork, in my vision artwork is always some kind of lesson to be learned. And my poetry, I don't know if you knew that uh, I was in Shanghai for two months uh, a couple of years ago, almost two years ago. And, mm. and yes, that was very, very interesting. I was the first wow. African to be selected for this Shanghai Writers Program. Writers wow. residency, yes, and I tell you, I was compelled. I always am c- compelled to represent, you know, to represent uh, not only my family and my ancestors, but but our culture, you know. And yes. th- and I was there for like two weeks without seeing another black person, and people would just stare at me, and, and you know, but I looked at it as not racism. I looked at it as curiosity, which made mm. me just throw my shoulders back more and just really represent. And out of that experience, I uh, uh, wrote a poem when I came back, and it's called International African. Because I'm one of them international Africans who you might have caught glimpses of on the news. We're the ones who are comfortable speaking in any language, in any culture, because our spirits got flow, like the blues. (laughs) We speak French with a Senegalese accent. We speak Kiswahili with a Midwestern drawl. I'm liable to greet you with a ni hao, my friend, or bid you adieu with a two-tall nana, y'all. 
The outside of me reflects that inside DNA that twists and turns in creatively unique ways like head bees from Cape Town, alekes from New Africa, I sport paper bees from Uganda, librette pierced in Nairobi, Kenya. I'm comfortable picking up tofu with my chopsticks or eating ugali with my fingers. I dig strong hip-hop vibes in any language, and I appreciate beauty in all colors and genders. So it's something how my, my, my art, my music, and I love the fact that I play these two instruments. One of them is... Uh, uh, two of them were taboo for women. One is uh, Nyatiti. It's a uh, string lyre from Kenya, from the Lua community, which was taboo for, for women to play. And the first woman to play it actually was a Japanese study abroad student who lived in a Lua village for two years and learned it and mastered it and went back to Japan and became a superstar. And she has, wow. yes, and, and she has such an African spirit. It's just amazing. You know, That's a person amazing. can have an African spirit without looking African, without even speaking the language. And she's mm. one of them. And she inspired Susan O'Wheel and Ati Sanai, who in turn inspired me. And uh, so now it's at least, oh, it might be 10 women playing this instrument now. Obokano, for, for years, I was the only woman who played Obokano. That come from Kenya also. And Grandmaster Can you describe Mas that instrument a little bit? Yeah, it's also an eight-string lyre, but it's much larger. It's about, ooh, I guess it must be about three feet tall. And uh, it has eight strings, and the one that I love to play is a bass. I'm really drawn to bass strings, and mm. uh, uh, you 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 can hold it either on the floor or in your lap, straight up or to the side. But the nyatiti traditionally it was played on the floor. You sit on a low stool, you hold the instrument. It's a lyre. That means it has two arms, and then it's a carved-out wood. It's round, and then it's covered with cowhide. So it's 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 like a, it's a percussive instrument. It's almost like a drum, except it has strings to mm. it. Uh, some of these instruments that are almost identical, uh, there have been paintings of, uh, of them found in, in uh uh, around the pyramids and in the churches in Ethiopia. I think this instrument goes all across East Africa. But in, in West Africa, it's mostly the the one-necked instruments like the kora and okay. the danso. And I, I play the uh, uh, kamali and goni, uh, which is something like a kora. Mine's a 12-string. A chorus has either 21 or 24 string, but it's a gourd, huh? And I right. love it. And I uh, that instrument is new to me, but because I'm so drawn to strings, I could play it almost immediately. It's really funny how strings talk to me, you know? Does some of your history in playing cello and violin play into your when you touch that instrument? I is, think is so. Bring I mm. think so, but as I I, I was uh, telling you uh, during the initial part of our conversation, 
my ancestors' voices come out in those strings. It yeah. does. It re- it's the most amazing thing. And sometimes it like just carries me away. <laughs> Kamali and Goni and my uh, new Titi with me. Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming journey to the States and what you plan to be doing? Yes, it's, it's, it's you know, we have our spring Heal the Community Tour just about every year. This Last year was our 20th anniversary of the tour. It's both a healing tour, it's talking about our work and inspiring people. It's sharing uh, films that have been made about us and and films uh, about our work. And uh, it's also a fundraiser. It's a because you know we don't um, we're not we don't get any grants or anything like this. Uh, we've been able to remain grassroots all these years. Uh, and and we like that. It makes it harder. It makes it more difficult. But you're able to continue to be your own person. You know, when yes. corporations start getting in, a lot of times they want to just change everything. And this is yep. a formula that works. So I um, I am invited to many universities, and and uh, these universities, of course, uh, contribute to the fundraising. I also go into different community centers and even private uh, homes and, and churches and temples. You know, wherever I can to bring this this healing through through uh, the inspiration from my word, through my word, through my song, and through my touch. Mm. Yes. Mm. Do you think that uh, this year your journey is going to um, be different given what's going on with our current presidency and the climate of injustice that's happening, that's deepening um, in this country? Do you think that there's going to be a new something that you're going to be offering or sharing with folks? Well, I know that I got to step up the healing part. <laughs> you know, mm. I sure, sure do, you know, and the encouragement and the and the example, the inspiration, you know, that that we we need that empowerment now. We really, really do, because there's some crazy times ahead. It's yes. already happening. But, you know, I maintain that that's not the only thing that we should focus on in our life. We have to focus on the joy also. 
You know, we mm. have to focus on the the community gardens that that bring people together, and the the homeschooling and the community schools that allow us to to teach the children to 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 be independent in their thinking and not get bogged down by all this negative all these negative forces that are swirling around you know mm, this is mm. a time we got to build each other up and we got to be strong and steadfast in our determination and that's something that I want to bring to the table I want to add to what is happening as far as upliftment so, yeah, mm. this is going to be interesting, sister. You know, it's funny that you say that because one of the things that I notice is that when politically things are very heavy and very hard, that's when a lot of our, you know, social justice communities begin to argue and become fragmented um, because of the weight that is that that's on upon our shoulders. It's true. So I don't know if that's something that you have witnessed in your lifetime of work. Oh but, yes, um, oh yeah. yes. I think that's that's all a part of it. You have uh, 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 two sides of the coin. You're gonna always have that, you know. And we as artists, I think we play a very very important role in bringing people together in 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 uh, uh, combating that those negative forces, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. why we are artists. I think that's why we were put on earth. That is Most a definitely. yes, 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 yes. So you know, like uh, one of our comrades, uh, uh, Michael Sadowell Tabor, used to say, "We're gonna bop till we drop." yes yes I think for me it's you know one of the reasons why my music is danceable you know why I create beats that we can move our bodies even when the themes might be serious is that even through the the heavy we have to keep lifted up and keep moving you know that that jogging track for the revolution going that's right that's so important you know, it's essential to to our beings as as humans, you know, and 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 as revolutionaries, we got to have that. We got to have that. That gives us a sense of of relief, of, of letting off steam, but at the same time, building us up and keep keeping us lifted up. So in that spirit, are there any words of wisdom that you might be able to offer to musicians and other artists that are seeking to use our art to battle the injustice and to contribute to healing Mm. in this day and age? Yes, that we're blessed to be artists. We're blessed and honored to be able to inspire people, to keep people lifted up. It's our duty as creatives. And one of my poems goes, uh, we are the knowers. We are the dreamers and we are the sores, indigo children, the teachers and the preachers. We are the chosen. We are the artists, the seekers, and we walk the way of the new world. And that is what I advise all the arts community, all of us who are using our rhythms for rebellion and for community building and healing to remember that we are the chosen. 
We're the artists, we're the knowers, we're the seekers, and it is our duty to spread love, blessings, and empowerment. That is my advice. Keep on keeping on, y'all. Bop till Mm. you drop. (laughs) Many blessings, and I appreciate your wisdom and your artistry. Likewise, Mama C, so much love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to The Rhythm of Rebellion. You can listen to The Rhythm of Rebellion and read our show notes at rhythmofrebellion.com. I will post more info about Mama Charlotte O'Neill there. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review if you like what you hear. And you can find more info about my music at tainasili.com. I want to thank my guest as well as my editor, Gaetano Vaccaro. Until next time, peace and love.